Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this: for the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor, and Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to five percent to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get two hundred and fifty dollars when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com/easy. Ramp.com/easy. R-A-M-P.com/easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. My name is Amari Douglas, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. He's one of the biggest and most recognisable faces within the world of acting currently, thanks to his breakout performance as Roscoe Babatunde in It's a Sin, the Russell T Davies masterpiece that explores queerness, the HIV pandemic and the power and beauty of love. But life hasn't always been seen through the lens of a camera as he's a hugely successful career on the stage also to his name, including performances in Jesus Christ Superstar and Peter Pan at the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre, Five Guys Named Mo at Shakespeare's world-famous Globe, regionally in Annie Get Your Gun at the Sheffield Crucible, and with Emma Rice in Wise Children. So let's get to it as we discuss his love and absolute dedication to the world of theatre, performing in a few stage shows where the building doesn't actually have a roof, the global outpouring and heartache over It's a Sin, and why he absolutely supports the idea of a stage adaptation being explored, and even what a musical of the show could look like. So here he is, up next, it's the wonderful Omari Douglas on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Just to let you know, due to the COVID-19 global pandemic, Omari and I connected digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. He's one of the most famous faces in the world of acting right now. So let's kick it all off by saying welcome to Eleven. Hi, Amari Douglas. Hello, Will. That was like such a crazy introduction to have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's very, very true. You are literally one of the most famous and in-demand faces and voices in acting at the moment because you are an actual superstar now. Like from the first time I had the pleasure of getting to talk to you, which I know I've spoken about lots on my social media and it was for Euphoria magazine through until now. It's been a crazy, crazy ride. And we will talk about that in a second. But before that, before everything else, some people might be thinking, oh, so I recognize him from television, but why is he on an arts and theater podcast? So I think we should sort of talk about the elephant in the room, which is the fact that you are very proudly a massive theatre nerd and you've had this most amazing career way before it's a sin theatre is your thing you love theatre that is that basically it, it just couldn't be more true I have been a bit of a the- well I say a bit of a theatre nerd I am like a self-professed theatre nerd and I think 
it's been that way for I think as long as I can remember and then it and then it really did kind of take off like when I think when I was at secondary school and I and I was kind of like obsessed to the point where um I I have a friend now and she 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 lives in Australia and she's now like a a, a life coach and when we were at school together she was a few years above me but <laughs> do you remember that um radio station called Accu Broadway I used to get home from school and like <laughs> go onto my like really slow like desktop computer and log in and me and my friend Becky we would like simultaneously listen to this radio station together and we'd be like oh my god they're playing this song oh my god they're playing once on this island or like I I don't know just like anything and we just get like super excited about it and then go to school the next day and talk about the songs that they played and like meanwhile like you know we're messaging each other on MSN like oh my god I can't believe they're playing this song so that is the level of sort of like musical theatre fandom that I was engaging in when I was like 13 years old. Don't blame it on your 13 year old self. Don't pretend like you've changed. You're still the same. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is. It is still the same. Like literally the other day, I I just finished listening to um, the Out for Blood podcast about about Carrie. Um, And I've always like had a bit of an an obsession with that show, but like, I just got sucked into this podcast. And I I, I did see, because I think it came out a few months ago, didn't it? I remember kind of like writing it in my phone, like must listen to this podcast. Because I did kind of know the ins and outs of it already. And it was was so funny listening to that podcast because they like interview other people who were just sort of fans of the show. Mm. And like, they they were taught, there's this amazing story in it about this guy who like, stole the VHS from like the RSC archives and it was just such a funny image in my head of him like running away with this thing to like then reburn it onto like another video and then take it back but like that is kind of like how I was also like hunting for information about shows that like because obviously like you know with YouTube and stuff like there is I don't know what it is but there is now just this kind of like acceptance that like bootlegs just kind of like sit on YouTube now but I mean, I remember even like 10, 15 years ago that like it did seem like this really like naughty thing that there were bootlegs on YouTube. And then I remember like I used to, you know, come home and like obsess over certain videos and then be like really upset when they'd like disappear like a few weeks later. And I'd be like, where has that video from the 1997 production of I don't know what, like, why has it disappeared? But yeah, it's 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 so crazy now that we've just kind of I don't know what it is, but things are just kind of more accessible now um but I've yeah I've, I've just always loved being able to kind of I guess it's that thing of feeling like that you know a lot about the show and that you've seen it without actually having seen it sometimes you just rely on watching a YouTube video and yet it can make you feel like that you know absolutely everything about the world of the show and I also feel really torn about bootlegs I mean not that we want to spend too much time sort of talking about that but when I'm actually physically in a theatre and I can see someone recording Mm. it's like I sort of go from like completely fine to serial killer mode within about two seconds (laughs) but yeah it's maybe a link to carry somewhere but yeah but like I literally (laughs) feel like so frustrated when I see it but yeah I I absolutely do do what you've done and especially during sort of the last sort of 12 to 18 months especially with social media and sort of accounts that are Mm. dedicated to Broadway of the past where you're like well I would never get the opportunity to see Ethel Merman in a show but now thanks to some grainy sort of VHS that's been digitized I can so it's interesting how our morals tend to sort of turn on and off when it comes to people taking out cameras in uh, no it's true because I guess at the end of the day 
it comes from an appreci appreciation of the work that is happening on stage. But then, of course, there is a huge argument that then sort of and, and a rightful debate to be had about sort of like, well, it's to do with all sort of copyrights and stuff. I don't know. But, you know, generally it is people who just appreciate the work. But then it's hard, isn't it, as you say, morally, because it's like appreciating the work and then putting it online also puts us in jeopardy. And I say us because it's it's we're sort of like trying to empathise on that side. And yet I'm also an actor and it's sort of a weird thing to kind of straddle. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we're all culprits in a way, not of not of recording mine. But I just find it hilarious that like in the 80s, like just imagining people in the 70s and 80s, like just it being the most bait thing ever to just kind of sit there with a camcorder sticking out of your bag. It's like, it's like what? <laughs> yeah, because like even in this um, in, in the Carrie podcast, this cast member was saying like that the reason why that recording that like kind of iconic recording of like the last show on Broadway was even available is because like he begged his stage manager to like literally tape a camcorder to the like DSM table or something like that but I mean yeah we're we're, we're definitely in a different place now where and I guess particularly in the past year as well when you know we have essentially been forced to make work digital I don't think that we're probably going to be having the same kind of like arguments and battles about those kinds of things now, because I think we are just naturally more inclined to make work available online. Yeah, so it's such an interesting conversation about how it could potentially actually lead to other things, which is a good thing, while also how do you get to that point and copyright, like you mentioned, it's it's a very, very long and detailed conversation that I wish we had time to go through. But I love the yeah. fact you keep talking about this carry podcast, because obviously <laughs> it's it's second to my podcast because mine's the best. But um, <laughs> I I love these sort of like murder mystery podcasts that are coming out. I mean, Twitter seems to hate them, but I seem to love them. And Carrie specifically is such a good one because it's this show that actually did terribly in terms of reviews like bombed in new york i mean mm. the london production did very well i absolutely loved it and it, i think the cast album's like one of my favorites but it has a few songs in it that are so fantastic and has this army of fans that it sort of will never go away and it's it's funny that sort of juxtaposition between commercial success and fandom it, they don't meet yeah and just the like kind of cult following of things and i mean i don't think i've ever I'm trying to think if I've been in a show where there has been this sort of like really sort of niche kind of cult following. Do you know, I don't, I don't think that I ever have. I think the closest thing that I have to sort of feeling that was, I did, I was in um, the revival of Five Guys Named Mo a few years ago yeah. at, at, at Marble Arch. And I wouldn't even say that that had a cult following, but I think that there was a very particular following in that show because the show was like, such a huge phenomenon in the 90s like and and amazingly I met like and obviously Clark directed this this production that I was in but I think by way of that we also met like a lot of other actors who had been in the production in the 90s and like it was this huge phenomenon like it, it was crazy kind of like hearing just how successful it was because it was so it was such a kind of one-of-a-kind show like you know, the West End hadn't seen anything like it before. So I think doing Five Guys Named Mo, we did see a lot of return of like those fans of the show, that, that those fans of the show, and they, you know, they were very vocal. 
yeah it is it is strange when something kind of like can sort of bomb commercially and critically and still have this following and I don't know what I don't even remember how I even heard about Carrie like uh, but I was so always like keen to kind of like know as much as I could and I guess like YouTube is the sort of like main sort of like resource for that and as I said I'd literally come home from school and I'd just be sort of like typing away at things and just like trying to find out as much as I could but like just seeing that little bit of footage and a part of me always goes I'm like is it really that bad and like I look at certain things and I kind of go oh yeah okay like this doesn't work but there's definitely a part of me that's kind of like I wish I could get my hands on it and sort of like pick away at it myself. Like if I had directed this production, then I would have done this. I would have taken away this bit and I would have maybe put away that bit. And I kind of maybe would have like, I mean, I adore Debbie Allen. Like I love, 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 love Debbie Allen and fame. The the, the, the film of fame was probably like, I've said this before, like it, it was definitely like my showbiz rite of passage, that film. And I completely admire her, but... <laughs> what she got those women to do in that show is like crazy like so crazy and I can relate as well because like you watch what they're doing in that show like some of these numbers are like so high energy and I can't believe that they're all singing in the way that they're singing whilst doing fan kicks and whacking their legs and like jumping into the splits and rolling around on the floor and I can only imagine as a cast member, what that would have been like, like literally glancing over at a person because it's like that sometimes when you're in a show and you're just like doing this crazy high energy number and you're like struggling for your breath and you like look over to a person you're like, we're nearly there, we're nearly at the end now. Um, so like th th there's so many things that I can relate to, but yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Just like how, I don't know, I just keep going back to this thing about just like YouTube is just such a good source of being, it's like a portal, isn't it? We, we we read and we hear about all of these kind of like icons and legends past of the, these incredible performers. It's like, we feel like that we we deserve to see what they did. And we, we, we just want to see what they did and we want to appreciate it. So, you know, I, I, I definitely always yearn to do that. And I kind of, I do have a thing about just kind of like looking kind of in the past. And I um, actually read a book last year called Razzle Dazzle by Michael Riedel charts Broadway's history kind of right from the kind of like early 1900s and how like these theatrical uh, dynasties came to be and particularly like the Nederlander organization and, and, and the Schubert organization and it was just so kind of fascinating I mean you we were talking about bootlegs which is kind of like this sort of like underground thing that happens there's they talk a lot about like um ice in the book which was basically like 20th century like ticket touting I guess you could say and it was just like it's basically just sort of proves like how how much like I guess from for as long as we can kind of like know or basically since time began like people are always trying to find like ways of just sort of like get into the theatre and I, I loved reading that book because it just sort of like it kind of like reinvigorated me in a way because I, you know I was reading it in the middle of all of this going on with the pandemic you know and so it was it was just nice to kind of like revitalize like why I love it so much. I love that because if anybody had any doubt before we even started this conversation that you were like a theatre nerd to the core, you literally just listen to that and go, 
he's home welcome this is it this is what we want i've been ex i have been exposed (laughs) (laughs) i can only imagine what your life has been like for the past 12 months and obviously before that as well with filming and Mm. obviously the success and while this year has obviously been so terrible for so many different reasons and i think everybody's had their fair share of just you know difficulty if it's not mentally then actually dealing with the pandemic itself it's i can imagine for you it sort of feels a little bit sort of like a seesaw in a way because you've had some real difficult parts but of course it would be a complete amiss to not say that it has been a pretty phenomenal year for you I mean you are as much as I joke at the start incredibly in demand because you're on pretty much the biggest sort of hit show of the year all across the world I mean the world is yeah. obsessed and it's you know one of the most successful all four shows in history like I think episode one is like the most successful ever smashing targets smashing everything in this five seconds that you might get just to sort of stop think and breathe have you been able to take it all in is is that even possible it's it's definitely taken me a couple of months and 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 I'm sure you know if I was to speak to like you know Callum or Lydia or Ollie or Nathaniel or David or anyone like it's definitely been not a kind of like gradual sort of like acceleration but it's definitely felt like it's taken a while to just sort of like settle into a calmer space like particularly in the past couple of weeks I feel a lot calmer because everything was just so kind of it felt like such an out-of-body experience it really 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 did um I was like a zombie for those first like couple of weeks after the show came out because there was so much going there was so much going on which is amazing. And, and, and I, and I've loved that. And I can, you know, I, I mean, I couldn't, you can't ask for better really. The, the way that the world, as you said, have, has responded to the show is incredible, but when it hits you like a wave in the way that it has, it was so hard to process. I was kind of like, and especially the fact that everything is coming through your phone, you're waking up every day and it feels like that there's this like huge thing happening to you, but most of it is being kind of like filtered through like your phone that's in your hands. You're not actually out there kind of like actually having that kind of like direct contact with people, which I don't know. I, I, I think in a way, maybe the fact that like we've all been inside and that it has all had to be kind of like filtered through phones and stuff has maybe in a way made it sort of a a, a lot more compact and sort of easier logistically. I mean, in terms of the people that we were able to speak to and, you know, all the interviews that we were doing and, you know, obviously everything is on Zoom. Um, And so I guess logistically it makes things easier in a way, but still, still, it's definitely like a really hard thing to, to process. But now I'm kind of upon reflection, and, and it's so weird because we're in March now and obviously the show came out, uh, you know, it was January 22nd, I think it was, or something like that. It, it feels like yesterday, but then also feels like such a long time ago because so much has happened in between. And then even not just that, I think, you know, this, I think this coming June or July will have been 19, 20, like three years since I actually got the role. Mm. That is like, create create two years sorry since since I got the role that's that's really bizarre to me um really bizarre and obviously I can't do maths which is just showing just sort of like how crazy things have been um and 
yeah, I'm so, so, so grateful though. So grateful because in, 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 in the world that we're living in right now, it's just kind of, it's so promising that a piece of television has been able to have the kind of impact that it has. And I think just with my peers and, and, and the rest of our community, and we've kind of felt so lost in a way, because I guess at the beginning of the pandemic, we were feeling like that our value as like artists and theatre makers and, and, and just anyone in the arts industry, it definitely felt like especially the government, like it felt like that we were really being questioned about like yeah. our value and, and sort of like what our worth is in kind of like the working world, because it, it, we're constantly being asked to kind of like quantify like what we do as work and like an occupation. And to have an event like this, that has sort of like struck so many chords with so many different people and so many people from so many different walks of life, it's just, a testament to, 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 to the power of what we do. So it's just kind of like, never question us again, Parliament. <laughs> I think they regretted that, especially if you look on social media, the reaction was exactly as I would expect. So I was very proud of everybody from all corners of the arts. But to go back to your point, yeah. I actually think I might have maybe not the answer, but an answer to why I think it's been so successful. And it's actually mm. just from the experience that I had, because I mentioned the Euphoria interview at the start, and because I got the opportunity very luckily to watch it before it came out I was sort of part of that initial group I think I'd watched the first one or two episodes I feel like I watched the third one just after I'd I, just before I spoke to you yeah and so I sort of I, I got it but I don't think I got it until you actually go through the full experience and I remember I watched it downstairs with the people that I live with and it was we finished it at about half past 12 at night like we just couldn't turn it off and that was as <laughs> that was not like us at all and I think it was because <laughs> you build up an emotional connection to the characters in a way that you essentially when it ends feel like you're grieving not just because what happens it's not a spoiler about what happens on the show but just because you feel so emotionally charged and connection and connected mm. with the people that when that stops and what happens happens I think you then when you someone else watches it you go through it again and then obviously everyone's at different timelines so therefore they just do it in their own time and especially with the release in the united states on hbo and then all the other territories every time anyone mentioned it to me or my friends in the states said oh i listened to what you said and i watched it you do sort of go oh gosh i've got to go through the emotion of why it's such a phenomenal piece again and therefore yeah. for you with the interviews and everything else i I mean, I can only imagine what that does to an individual. I mean, to try and find the good side in everything while also trying to be honest is, it, it, with want of a better phrase, I imagine quite exhausting. No, it's, yeah, you're completely right. And it's it's hard and it's, it's really interesting you saying that about the, the sort of like the emotional connection that you feel to it and sort of feeling like that you're having to sort of like revisit that every time someone else says that they've watched it. Because actually... I mean, maybe there is a part of me that kind of like shies away from like heading there too much because I guess with like with any project that you do, it's always sad to kind of like feel like that there's a conclusion on it. And it it, it kind of feels like, because I think, I mean, a way that I can kind of connect with it is like, so, I mean, obviously the show's soundtrack is so amazing, but I, I have a playlist on, on on my Spotify that I made kind of like, as I was sort of in the in the run up to starting filming and I kept adding to it kind of right up until the show's transmission and to me like that I can listen to one I could hear any song off of that playlist and it would take kind of like immediately like take me back to that world and 
I definitely sort of got to a place where I was like, I can't listen to these songs anymore. Like it, it was almost like, do I need to kind of like divorce myself from this a little bit? Because yeah. I don't know what it is. It's like, at some point you have to move on. I don't know how true that is, but it is that thing of like, when you are so connected to something and when you spend so much time with it and you, you, you live in that place, like you immerse yourself in it. It is so hard to kind of like take yourself away from there with, with, with so many interviews and kind of like speaking to so many people, I'm definitely kind of like, viewing it from a definitely like much more objective place where I feel like that I've kind of stepped away from it a little bit yeah. because, because I've had the time for, for it to kind of like settle and, 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 and step away from it. But I guess in that's now, but I guess in the kind of like weeks, the, the couple of weeks after we, that, that, that we started. And obviously I spoke to you kind of a few weeks before the transmission like I don't was it before Christmas or just after it was just after Christmas yeah yeah it was it was just after Christmas that particular space and time a frenzy and and the nerves and the excitement but quite honestly I can say it was like way more nerves than excitement for me because like there was it, it it kind of felt like that there was so much going on in my head it's like oh my god it's my tv debut in this like huge piece of like epic like writing so it 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 felt like that there was so much riding on it you know Mm. it was really it was really scary I can't lie it was it was so 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 scary and it took me a long time to I, I, I was surprised with how kind of like comfortable I felt kind of like watching it with my mom because I'd seen it a couple of months before the producers had let us watch the show and that was a really strange experience, like just sort of like sitting and watching five hours worth of yourself on screen. Like it was, it, it was, it was really difficult. And then, you know, I, I definitely was able to watch it with my mom um, in a, in a different place. Definitely like it was easier for me to kind of like feel proud of the, of, of, of the work. And like, I was always proud of it, but it's always just a bit of a jarring experience, isn't it? To just kind of like watch your work especially when there's like five hours of it it's like oh my god (laughs) but um yeah it's really crazy it's it's definitely been a ride and like a a, a really kind of like huge personal experience for sure whenever there's anything that's on television that's written in such a fantastic and groundbreaking way the obvious questions around if that could perhaps translate to the stage come up and so I know that that's been asked lots and lots. I can see you smiling. Do you think that that would work? You know, would you support seeing an adaptation of it? Or do you think it only really works for mm. for screen? Does it only sort of work in, in one medium? Or do you think it could work? I guess in the right hands, anything can work, can't it? I think there have been much kind of like crazier ideas about sort of translating or moving something to the stage and still it works, you know? Um I mean, funnily enough, like (laughs) me, Lydia and Callum always used to like have this running joke about like what an It's a Sin the musical would sound like. And very often, like we send voice notes to each other of just like us randomly like improvising songs that like from different scenes in the show and like what it might sound like. But I mean, that is us just joking. But in all seriousness, I don't see why it wouldn't. I, I don't really see why it wouldn't work. I think it's I think it's just a matter of it be like being in the right hands and being treated in the right way 
but I'd fully support that for sure fully is it something that you would consider doing as well because I know people don't like to go back to it or would you go do it but don't do it with me oh my god no 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 no. I could I'd I'd like I'd want to like just kind of like completely sort of like hand it over to someone else I mean I say I like Russell is probably the person to have that conversation with because I mean I'd be really interested to kind of like hear what he said and in fact I remember Lydia telling me that um uh last summer someone got in touch with her because they were wanting to put on like a years and years the musical at Edinburgh Fringe or something like that I, I, I I'd be really interested to kind of like hear what Russell would have to say on that because like these are his babies aren't they yeah. and like to sort of like hand it over into someone else's hands because that's the thing isn't it like a lot of the time most like you know if you think about someone that writes a novel they don't and and obviously there are instances where they do have kind of like input into the creative process but like they don't necessarily write the book for 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 like a stage adaptation of their work they just kind of pass it on to someone else and hope that they kind of do the work like justice but that's so interesting that you say that actually because um uh Obviously, I did I did Wise Children a few yes. years ago um, at, at the Old Vic. And um, basically, uh, and I hope I'm not paraphrasing here, but, you know, Angela Carter's... So I think Susanna Clapp um, is kind of like one of the... Like, she oversees the Angela Carter estate and, and, and sort of like the, the archive of her work. And Angela Carter always said that she was so open to having her work adapted for the stage um and like when we made that show like a lot of the songs in the show came from a playlist that Angela would listen to when she was writing the the novel um and it's really interesting because like Angela Carter was very much of the the the, the sort of like opinion that like she wanted people to kind of like interpret her work in like whatever way they wanted and she wanted people to be really adventurous with the work um and I guess in this instance like you know when we made Wise Children and obviously like a, a, most of this and all due credit to, to to Emma like she really did kind of like take that novel and sort of like carve it into it, it into a show that was very much like in her voice and her style so I think it is amazing when like it's, it's a really brave thing to do for an author to be able to sort of, sort of like pass on that um, uh, that sort of like liberty to another like artist because you don't know what they're going to do with it. Like you, you, you don't know what's going to come out of that. So I, I, I think that's really amazing and just like vulnerable and sort of like brave of someone to go like, this is the story that I wrote and you can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. <laughs> I you hope it's be, good. You have to be very willing, I think, to give up your work as well, which I know a lot of people, and I would definitely include myself in this, would not feel comfortable doing that. It's a real, it's a, yeah. well, it's a trust exercise, I think. But it's, um, yeah, I'm always intrigued by adaptation. Sometimes I'm sort of like screaming, like, please find something original. But then when something is so good, it's like, well, actually, there are different ways that you can do it. I mean, I mean, going back to the It's a Sin thing, I think it's probably just my excuse trying to find a way to get Keely on stage. I mean, let's be honest, that's literally what I'm doing. So let's not, let's not pretend. Do you know what though? I like having now kind of like worked with her a little bit and, and, and sort of like seeing what she does. And obviously she has had a career on stage, but like, I'm so keen to like see her on stage now. It's just kind of like made me appreciate even more the, the, the sort of like the, 
the value and obviously not that it is the be all and end all, but I just think it is so great when you know that like actors have like had that kind of like, I guess you could sort of say like groundwork training and, and, yeah. and, and have sort of like have, have been on the stage and have sort of like had all of that experience. And, and, and as I said, like sort of like seeing the work that Keely does, it really makes me want to go, Oh my God, now I'd love to see what you do on stage. Cause it makes you like appreciate it even more. We'll watch this space. I mean, there's absolutely no plans whatsoever. So maybe we can just <laughs> manifest it into the world and I'll see you in about 10 years when it happens. Maybe we can, yeah. we, we can have a drink at the opening night, but I do want to talk to you about Regent's Park because I know you've done a couple of productions there. And one in particular yeah. is, I'm very, very honest in saying this, me and my mum or my mum and I, we came to see Jesus Christ Superstar. What do I say? I mean, it was literally insane. I mean, it was actually ridiculous. I mean, there are, yeah. and then I saw it at the Barbican as well, which when you put a roof oh on it, it means that literally you think the God. walls are gonna fall down. But I mean, was it, I was gonna say, was it like a religious experience? Interesting choice of words, but was it, <laughs> was it amazing? It was definite, you know what, it's so hard to kind of like nail one thing down. It's like, this was the sort of most incredible theatre experience of my life. Cause I've take, take, taken something away from everything. But like, if there was to kind of be like a top three or like top two, Jesus Christ Superstar is like hands down in there for sure. I absolutely adored that experience for so, so, so many reasons. When I was in my, th when I was in my third year, Art said, and uh, just just as we were leaving, there were a few uh, of my friends from my year that did Seven Brides for Seven Brothers um, at Regent's Park. So I saw that, and I and obviously I was seeing them every day and kind of like speaking to them about it, and they were just sort of saying like how magical the experience was of of just kind of like working outdoors and like having all of the elements around you, and people tell you how amazing it is to work at that theatre, but when you do get there, it is it's amazing like it was such an amazing summer as well and you literally have like all of the elements around you as I said and like I have this like just innate fear of like wasps and bees so it is always really entertaining when you're literally on stage and you're having to concentrate and you've literally got like pigeons at your feet and wasps and flies and mosquitoes like flying around your head and you're literally like um I'm in the middle of the show and I literally cannot scream right now because that is normally my reaction to seeing a wasp it was also just the most amazing creative process and I've always loved Jesus Christ Superstar. It was like one of the very first school productions that I did when I was at secondary school. Um, and like amazingly as well is all the principal cast in that show uh, of, of Jesus Christ Superstar at my secondary school, like they've all gone on to have like amazing like oh, wow. career, like acting careers, which is, which is, which is so cool. Um, and um, yeah, so on the first day, we met like Tom Deering and, 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 and Tim and, and, and Drew, and we all basically like, I mean, this sounds really wanky, but it isn't, but we, we just kind of like lay about on the floor in a studio and we just listened to that original concept album. I guess at the, at the beginning it was, it's not that it was kind of like hard to understand, but I mean, Tim, Tim from the very beginning and, and, and Tom and also Tom Scott, the, the designer, it, it was so amazing. You know, they were saying, we are really kind of like trying to make this production a very much like a reverential, reverential production to that original concept album. And I was kind of like, oh, well, what does that mean? Like for us, like, you know, and kind of 
we were very much just sort of, Tim was so keen for us to just like engage in the musical experience of just sort of like, we are on stage and we are just performing this music. And actually, as it went on, you were realizing like what an amazing license that was to be given because I think about that final number, Superstar, I mean, where we're just completely dead, really, um, like physically and, and, and stamina wise. And you've got like Tyrone, like behind you, like absolutely sort of like bearing his soul behind you. Um, just just so incredible. And this amazing orchestra that Tom Deering had, had like brought together. And I just remember like, it was euphoric to like, to just like, dance that choreography on that stage and sometimes it was raining and sometimes the sun was beaming down on you and sometimes it was pitch black and you've got all of these lights blaring at you like that kind of feeling that you get like when you're performing a number like that is completely it's 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 incomparable really it's just it it like elevates you and that show was so transcendent and, and people said that to me that watched it, but it definitely felt like that, like being a part of that production. It was just so magical. And like, I don't, I, I don't want to sound like I'm exaggerating, but like, it really was just so amazing. And I saw it then in 2017, which was when they kind of mounted it the second time. And I can't lie, like it was quite strange watching it that time because it was almost like having an out-of-body experience. It was just sort of like, oh, this is still quite fresh. Oh my God, this is this is so weird, but I still enjoyed it. But then when I watched it at the Barbican, I lost my mind. Yeah. I completely lost my mind. Like I, I I just couldn't believe what I was watching. And obviously it was really interesting to kind of like see how the show had evolved and and, and sort of like how little things had changed. But still, it felt like this just such a unique, like, theatrical, like, experience. And I think just from knowing um, the kind of, like, different adaptations that we've, like, seen of that show over the years, and, like, I saw the production at the, at the O2, um, that was, like, 2012, maybe, I think, I can't remember. But, like, the show has been conceptualized quite a lot and 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 I guess that's kind of like understandable because you know it's it's a biblical story on stage really so it's sort of like you don't always want to do the same thing but I just think like what Tom and Tim and 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 Tom and Drew and like all the creative team like managed to achieve in 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 that show was just something so special because it was so simple and you know, I, I remember like Tom Scott, like talking about the design of the show and kind of like saying how he wanted it to be kind of like ambiguous in the way that it kind of was, it was current. And yet it also seemed kind of ancient. There was just this where there was just something about it where it was able to kind of like straddle so many different worlds. And and it was just so unique and amazing. I I, I absolutely loved being in that show, just amazing. And also, who doesn't love a show where you can belt and you get to throw glitter at a half-naked Jesus? I mean, it ticked The glitter. Oh, <laughs> my God. I actually had, like, a, um, I was doing, like, a clear-out the other day and of this, like, 
old like show makeup bag and found this like little pot of Carmex and I opened the Carmex and there was so much glitter in it and I was like that can only be from that show. Did you have the same experience in terms of performing outside because as an actor there's so many different variations in terms of literally performing with a roof and performing without a roof what about when you sort of get that in between with the globe does that sort of play to both sides or is it is it essentially you know a, a roofless theatre? Do you know what's amazing about the globe is is that it feels for, for, for all of its openness it actually feels really intimate mm. because I think it's Glenn like you know uh, Glenn gives you this introduction uh, and, and sort of like induction I guess you could say like when you first step onto the stage and and obviously Emma was you know used to you know she'd mounted a few productions there by this point which because it was Tristan and Isolt that I performed at the Globe and um, there is such a kind of like specific thing about making sure that you address like all sides of the of, of, of like your playing space because it's so strange that they're kind of like literally in your peripheral in front of you and also at your feet so it feels like you're having this like 360 experience of like people just kind of like being there so there is this real sense of intimacy more so than I think you do like obviously there is an intimacy in 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 Regent's Park but I think because you are completely open and there's no roof there's this sort of like much kind of like broader vastness there but with the globe because you're almost like shielded by this roof and you've got all these people surrounding you it feels like that you're in like their embrace they feel so 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 close to you although I do remember there was like a lot of fainting going on like when we were um performing Tristan and Isolt at the globe because that was like some crazy summer and we were all wearing like anoraks and like knitted um balaclavas in that show it was I, I've never sweated so much doing a show before it, it was it was really quite disgusting but um like I remember just kind of like looking into the seating and it'd be like oh they fainted they fainted as well it was so it was so 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 crazy just like being that close to <laughs> to, to 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 an audience to see all of that stuff it was really wild it's just a bit like excuse me the attention's over here thank you I'm I'm yeah, working quite hard in this pack of yeah. like pack it in <laughs> Exactly. And actually, the, um, the, so the, very, the very first show that I did when I left drama school was um, High Society at the Old Vic. And, and at the time, the theatre was in the round. And that was another experience where, like, they were really at your feet. They were so, so, so close to you. And I remember, I think it was during a preview, like going out onto the stage and there was this woman who was sat in the front row of, of the, the, I guess you could sort of say the front circle because they were kind of like surrounding you. And she had a full um, like meal from like Gourmet Burger Kitchen on her lap. I am me, actor, like literally performing the show and at my feet there's like a milkshake and fries and a burger. <laughs> I was like... I'm always like I love the sort of like the audacity of like certain yeah. theatre goers like some people get really angry about it and and obviously like I, I I get that but I just find it really funny I just think it's really entertaining just sort of like seeing the liberties that people take when they like come and watch a show because it's like they just really want to get comfortable and stuff but I was just like what are you doing this is so bad I think it's because we would never do that like I get angry if people cough around me like never mind yeah. doing anything else I'm like excuse me you're breathing too loudly I can't hear what's going on the stage <laughs> So if someone got a bloody meal out, I actually think I would explode. I, I'm, I know. Oh, I don't know how you kept your cool. I feel like you need yeah. for that. <laughs> but I have had so, I have had quite a lot of like sort of 
I guess you could say to a degree almost like immersive kind of like theatre experiences or like unique sort of like audience sort of actor experiences because it was the same with Five Guys Name Mo as well that was pretty much in the round as well and like a lot of crazy things happened on that show as well um, because they had this like cabaret style seating so the, the there was a kind of like raked slightly raked audience at the back and then we had this giant revolve and there would be an audience like on the outer side of that circle and then there would be all these like tables and chairs this cabaret vibe in the middle and a lot of our action we'd be like interacting with them and walking through the the the, the middle of this circle and like so many of us got gropes and like had like bum squeezed and all that it kind of got to the point where like we'd come off stage and we'd be like are we even surprised by this anymore like there was always something crazy that would happen and I do remember once being on the revolve performing and turning around to an audience member and a guy had a pizza hut on his lap like with the box and was just eating the pizza like I mean Mm-mm. very brazen but Mm-mm. funny <laughs> funny now not at the time at the time yeah. you were like excuse me I've done seven shows it's- this week pay attention to yeah me. <laughs> I'll have a slice actually <laughs> yeah yeah you should have done that I'm, I'm literally I imagine he'd have probably gone berserk or maybe you've yeah. got with it that's actually quite smart maybe we should don't need to buy food get food from audience just yeah just take it from the audience yeah (laughs) i'm very conscious of time because we've been speaking too much about carrie at the start that i've got to stop asking you other questions but (laughs) you have performed at some of the most amazing venues as well i mean you've literally performed at regent's park i mean this is not all of them by the way obviously you mentioned marvel arch the crucible in sheffield which is a theater that i've worked at which i absolutely oh my god i actually had my i had my most embarrassing like stage moment at that theater actually tell me so i was doing Annie Get Your Gun um, with the amazing Anna Jane Casey who was playing Annie and Sun in the Morning and the Moon at Night in like Act Two and it was this sort of kind of like upstairs downstairs number and we were all dressed as like maids and waiters and things and um, we part of the choreography was that like I had to take like a silver tray and place it on top of the plinth that like had all of these like little plastic champagne flutes on and I had to balance it on it and then kind of like run in to rejoin the choreography and this was on the press night bear in mind and for some reason the show was just like a little bit cursed like little things just kind of kept happening and we were like oh god why's that happened and I remember coming up the the the, the vorm entrance with um with Matt Croak and we had to AJ had to sit on Matt's shoulder And Matt stood her up and then I held her hand and kind of like did this promenade around with her. And it all started when AJ sat down, her foot got caught in her skirt and like Matt couldn't like stand up with her. So I remember just being like, oh, she's not on the floor. They're staying on the floor. So I remember just walking around in a circle really awkwardly with this tray. And I was like, okay, just try and cover this as best you can. And then in the previous scene, someone had spilt their drink, like their prop drink on the floor. So as I was running to put this tray on this plinth, my feet, like literally I went horizontal and I landed on my ass and I literally skidded into the audience, like, like onto someone's lap basically. And this tray, I remember like for like two seconds, everything became like slow motion. And I remember seeing the tray fly in the air 
and it landed. And you know, when you like spin a coin and it just takes it, that is exactly what this tray did. And it was just like spinning and spinning and spinning and just making the loudest noise. And I was so embarrassed, obviously. And I literally sort of like clambered like back onto the stage and sort of just like crawled and tried to like rejoin the choreography. So yeah, that, that, that was literally just the most embarrassing thing to ever happen to be on stage but I can look back on it and laugh so it's fine <laughs> yeah as long as you laugh now because that will never happen again because you'll make damn sure oh that God. doesn't happen again yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> what's next I guess what would you be open to I mean we're just desperate for you to well I mean we're desperate for theatre to open full stop but obviously desperate to see you back on a West End stage is that something yeah. that you would consider or have you gone into the world of sort of television forever now obviously it's sort of like all dependent on sort of the world that we're living in right now fingers crossed like I might maybe be back on a stage at some point this year. That yeah. sounds possible, which I, rather than a no, I'll take a possible. So <laughs> absolutely here for that. So that sounds very exciting. Well, good luck with that. Fingers crossed we do thank get you, you back on stage or screen um, very, very soon. But thank you so much for going through. I mean, I feel like I've just gone through your CV and told you how amazing you are. So I feel like you uh, a little bit embarrassing you. for me, but just thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. Yeah. And congratulations on your success. It's so unbelievably deserved. And for the three yeah. people in the world that haven't watched it, it's the same. Please go do <laughs> watch it and then you'll understand exactly what we've been talking about for the rest of us we're going to go listen to the carry soundtrack and go watch it on youtube so see you there yes absolutely <laughs> thank you thank you for listening to me like just sort of like rant and rave about it for like the past however long we've been speaking for <laughs> it's a pleasure. i like thank bombarded you, so you with it but thank you you've been listening to 11 the official theater podcast find out more about 11 at 11podcast.com or via our official social channels Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.